Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Hey, welcome everybody today to City Life. Welcome to those online. We love you. You belong and you have purpose. This is a month where we're putting a strong emphasis and intentionality on connection, uniting, remembering that there's more power in us together than alone. And God always wanted us to do it as one. And that will be tough, messy, but it's beautiful when we let him do that. So powerful. And when you drive in your car, you can turn it into a university. You can listen to podcasts, audiobooks. You really have stuff going in you. If you've ever wanted to check out more, kind of get the thematically, each message we try to make it standalone. So if somebody comes, they don't feel like, whoa, what is going on? But at the same time, it's cohesive. And there's thematic themes that we've prayed and feel like God wants to pour out into this community. So you can go revisit in your podcast uh, whether it's Android or Apple, and you can get the city life. And, and I would encourage you, like last week's message, the tissue connecting into today. But today, we are going to continue the single chapter book of Philemon. And as we do that, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Um, I, I'm so grateful that Jesus made it simple. They're like, Jesus, how do we pray? He goes, pray like this, <laughs> you know? And there's, this is a prayer type, so it teaches us enter in, look up, inwardly and out. But it's also a prayer that we can pray literally word for word together. So the word on the screen, let's all say it out loud. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. Try to do that as a family uh, before we leave. And just to remind us, man, we got a father that we can enter in boldly. We can look up at him. He's perfect. Remembering where our help and our provision comes from, daily bread. Forgive people and also lead me into a new way of life. Okay, check this. I don't know how you're coming in this place, meaning are you carrying some type of hurt, worry, frustration? And as we continue, I want to just hit the reset valve for a moment. You are so special to God before you ever do anything because you're his. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he made you. And who you are is determined by whose you are. And when we put our faith in Jesus, he won. It is finished. So then you flow from victory in this new life. So know that the pressure is off of you and it's all on God. And as we rest in that, we are loved to love. And that is a game changer when we remember that God is the source of this and he's building this. All right, we're going to Philemon 8, and we'll be reading today through verse 16. 
For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, as an elderly man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. Once he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you. I am sending my very own heart. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed might not be made out of obligation, but, out of, but of your own free will. For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time, so that you might get him back permanently, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. He is especially so to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And so Paul's penning this letter to Philemon, who is a top-ranking person, has property, has people underneath him, has slaves underneath him, whether that's business, contractual agreement, or forced upon, or agriculturally, or uh, war-type slaves, or even like th this, this infrastructure from the Roman culture. And what Paul's doing is saying, hey, huh, I want you to take him back. I know he ran away, but I want you to take him back now as a brother, as a family member. See, when we are transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, it makes us want to transform any setting we're in. Look at how this starts in verse 8. For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right. Paul's saying, hey, I got authority to command you to do what is right. But instead, I want to appeal to you on the basis of love. And we're going to dive into this section for a moment. Why is Paul saying he can command him to do what is right? Where does he get that authority? How does he have that authority? But why would he then appeal to say, hey, let's do this out of love? We know when we're told what to do, just because I told you so, it's not as invigorating when somebody appeals to you, sees you, loves you, listens to you, knows more about your life, and says, hey, I'm going to appeal to you out of love. But he's claiming this authority that is higher to say, look, Philemon. So that word command there in Greek, what it is, is it's epitasso. And epitasso is used in other places. Look at Mark 127. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? This is a new teaching and with authority. He gives even orders to impure spirits and they obey him. Or Mark 6, 27. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went and beheaded John in prison. So this is a reference to the same word is used when Jesus commanded impure spirits to leave. 
And this is the same word that can be used that executed and John was beheaded. So to get a command, it, it, it is a command. And what Paul's saying right there out the jump, he's like, hey, I could command you. That same word that Jesus used to throw out spirits, the same word that was used that beheaded John, I could command you to do what is right. Now, I don't know where you're at with authority, but I hate being told what to do. <laughs> like, you know, as early as I can remember. I'd be asking questions, why, 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 what, why, in my heart, why, 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 what, say something. I don't like feeling like somebody's over me or controls me. But there is something that happened when God got a hold of me and he reshaped my view of authority. I realized I'm equal in worth with everybody, but we have different authority and different roles. And what I was looking for was not without authority, but with healthy authority. Example. If you're going to go fly, I don't want equal authority. I don't know how to fly a plane. So I don't want somebody on the, the flight to be like, eh, I had a feeling today. I had a dream. <laughs> I'm supposed to fly the plane. Oh, what's your credentials? Oh, like I play video games. Oh, sweet. No, I want somebody who's trained. I don't want to have equal authority on the plane. And what I realized is just because I saw bad examples of authority, or bad examples of submission in my own life didn't mean that I didn't want authority. Because where there's no authority, there's chaos. We do want some level of authority, but we want healthy authority. We want to be on a plane that gets there safely, but we also want to know that we're heard. We, want to, we don't want to feel like we're just in a line and we're a number. The gospel gives rights and access and commitment and health. And though there's been bad examples, <laughs> there are so many great examples. So today I pray that we'll have a new view of authority, maybe. Today's titled this I could command and demand. That's what Paul's saying. I, Paul, I could command and demand. But instead, I appeal on the basis of love. And this hits close to home. Am I commanding or demanding? Or am I appealing to people on the basis of love? All right, so why leadership? Because that's a real question. I think it's fair to say, uh, especially in 2021, man, uh, there's a pendulum. Over here, I'm done with authority. I want authority and um, I don't want to be controlled. And then over here is, man, we, we might represent authority and we like controlling. And maybe you just... It's kind of like mall cop, uh, Paul Blart, you know, from mall cop, where takes the authority so seriously. I don't know if you've ever met anyone like that or if you're guilty of that, where you just go around and you, you just are hyper police. You want to put everybody in check and you, you take your authority so far. And that might be a temperament. That could just be that you never saw it or you're just reproducing what, what happened to you and, and you take it so far. And we kind of become authority um, in an unhealthy way and we're domineering people. But real authority in the scriptures is this, servant leadership. It's to serve, it's to come under. And to understand in church context, there is authority. Look in Titus chapter one. This is why I left you in Crete, 
So churches are being started and, and authority structures are being formed. But with Christ as the head, this is a game changer. So that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, this is the type of leadership. Check this out. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunken or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Oh my goodness, where do we find people like this? It's people that are surrendered to Christ. This is what real authority looks like. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So authority is meant to be an example, meant to serve, but also meant to correct as a shepherd would to lead to say, are we doing this Christ thing correctly? And the point of it is to put into order, order. All restaurants aren't the same, even though they serve food. All sports teams aren't the same, even though they all go to practice. All theme parks aren't the same. All government structures aren't the same. All churches aren't the same. Because you know what it really boils down to? Leadership. It boils down to us. It doesn't matter if we say, hey, we're love the city one life at a time. Are we love the city one life at a time? Am I? Culture eats vision for lunch every day of the week. It doesn't matter how big your vision is or how good your mission statement is. It's only as good as the people. It's only as good as us. So we got no place to look further than the mirror when things are happening under our watch or jurisdiction. 1 Peter 5 teaches us that leaders should not do this out of compulsion, but willingly. True leadership should be humble, yet confident in Christ. So what we're determining right now is God Creates authority. That's what Paul's saying. I can command you to do what's right. What type of authority? Authority that looks like the description in Titus. But why? To put into order so that it's not just chaos. But it shouldn't feel like if you've ever been to the hospital, and shout out to all of the people in the medical uh, industry. But we also know the feeling when you've waited in the waiting room a long time and you felt like a number. Why? Because they're they're bogged down. They have so much on their plate. And the system doesn't always allow us to serve people well. And then we can justify that we're serving them right. Just because we have authority, dad, husband, mom, wife, business leader, manager, just because we have authority doesn't give us the right to not serve people in a way that Christ wouldn't. Christ gives us a higher example. So what is the purpose of authority? The purpose of authority in a healthy way is not so you're like, when you walk into church, which this doesn't happen at City Life as much. I don't know. I think if City Life, we might be more on this uh, pendulum of, I don't know, like, do we even have a pastor? You know, I think he wears Jordan, so I think he's the pastor. Uh, 
But then the other side of it is like, you know, man of God, woman of God, first lady, we worship the person. But because, you know, there's been even people sometimes, you, I remember one of my friends, he asked me, how do you have a church? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you meet in a school. I was like, bro, a church isn't a church building. He was like, I don't get it, bro. You got to have a church building to be a church. Because how we define these things matter, right? So leadership and, and authority and, and, but we're not, the purpose of authority is not to be worshiped. In fact, the purpose of godly authority in the church is this, to empower, to equip, and to get you out there to love people in your spheres of influence. Is that we come up to get stirred up, and some of us have a teaching of giftings. Some of us have the teaching of sound. You know, some of us, uh, uh, I mean, the gift of sound. Some of us in, can just say hi to somebody, and we use our gifts for each other so that we can go out there and love our spheres, that we can serve people like Christ would. So the purpose is to equip but that also comes with moments of decision and authority. So, so, so here is a passage that really shaped me. It's Matthew 8. And this individual comes up to Jesus and he says this. For I too am a man under authority. Watch this. Having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come. All the controlling spirits in the room said, amen. That's exactly how it should go. Do what you're told, boy. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Maybe I would think Jesus in this moment would say something like this. Hey, just make sure you're not controlling. Make sure you're serving. But watch what he says. Jesus was amazed. And he said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. Why do you say that? Because he understood healthy authority. I know sometimes when we see bad examples, the temptation is just to throw everything away, be like done with it. But friend, good authority is godly and good authority that we have is an opportunity to serve the people that are around us in such a powerful way. Now, full disclosure, okay, I'm biased. I'm a church leader. But I will say this. I used to not be a church leader. And what I'm about to share, I believed then, and I believe more now. I wasn't born into this. My dad's not a pastor. My mom's not a pastor. In fact, I thought I was never good enough. Rappers definitely aren't pastors. I wrestled for years that I would even be here to be able to equip people. Who who do I think I am? You know, what? But over years of preparation, schooling, and modeling, and submitting, God just kept having, hey, I want you to, Lead something for those in a cave, if you will, the least, the last, and the lost, those who feel forgotten and alone. You'll go after the ones nobody wants. Where the wild is, you see, is ideal. He started to shape that, and others confirmed that, and there was a process and years of submitting to that. Well, let's first define how the word submission is understood. This is more, if, you, if you're just coming to City Life or watching today, you're like, 
okay, this feels a little bit like class and a lecture. It, yeah, yeah. This is less preaching, and we're hopefully imparting for stuff to chew on at home. So now let's define what submission is. Submission is not a negative. So when you're submitting, it's not a negative. I know it feels like it, but submission is not agreement. You might submit and not agree. How? How? And there is times to correct, and we're going to talk about that. (laughs) There is times to go against, absolutely. But it's not a negative, and it's not agreement, and it's not obedience. So we have our five up here. If we tell them to take out the trash, and they do it this way, fine, which has never happened, right? They've obeyed, but they didn't submit. Submission is a heart posture. See, you could do the right thing and grumble the whole time. Can I lean in? I'm sure at your job, you might be doing the right thing, but your heart might not be submitted. This changed the game for me. I, too, am a man under authority because all authority is always under authority. You know, here at City Life, we have a staff and leaders, and and these leaders... They, they, we pray and try to make sure we're doing the right thing. We have a board of trustees to make sure we're doing it right. Acumen, business, legally, are we doing it right? Then we have uh, overseers, three senior pastors that if stuff hit the fan, if you needed to, 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 to deal with some type of, if there was spiritual abuse or there, there's something going on wrong, that, that we could have pros that could come in and step in that could check any of us, myself included, We have an accounting firm that helps to make sure, okay, there's checks and balances for leadership. Monthly meeting with my pastor, meeting with one of the overseers. And we try to do that as a staff as well because we want to be healthy. We want to be above reproach. That doesn't mean we won't be making mistakes at times, but we want to do this right for Jesus Christ in our heart of hearts because true authority is always under authority. And you got to know that. So anyone, if, if someone's not under authority, they don't have authority. So when people come to us, man, I love Jesus, but I'm not in the church, I always be like, man, are you sure you love Jesus? Because he died for the church. <laughs> yeah, but the church hurt me. Okay, but there's bad examples, but can we be the good thing, right? Like, and so we have to say I'm sorry sometimes. Sometimes we got to stop, and, 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 and then we got to think of, okay, what in the world are we doing? Well, there's different types of models when it comes to church leadership. Y'all still with me? All right, there's the Moses model where God speaks to a man, right? Or some person through some supernatural experience that might be confirmed through others and then, then leads a movement. But there's also the Acts 6 model where there's Stephen, there's a team, there's people out teaching. And so you see this group effort and then you have elders uh, uh, and then you have Acts 15, which is there's an issue and the Jerusalem council has to, to, to make a leadership decision in church of what we're going to do. This is why even out of COVID, not all churches made the same decision because not all churches had the same convictions, but we all still had the same God. This is where we started to, you know, hey, I'll see you at the finish line with mask, without mask, or this, that. We're meeting here. You're going there. We think there's, so it's both and, not either or. So you'll see in leadership structures, in the scriptures, that it's both and. But it should always be Jesus at the forefront of it. So when don't we submit? You know when you don't submit? If it's unbiblical. And this can be, a very wide target because some of us, we know the Bible by ourselves. But it's very important to know this. Scripture was not read alone. 
it was always in the context of community. You know? Like it, it's like, hey, I got this great thought. What do y'all think? But in our culture, because, man, we got access. I was opening up the, uh, the word of the day today. I go over here. I'm like, all right, what's the verse of the day? I got the verse of the day. I'm just going to take this. Uh, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my uh, yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then if I am the only person in a vacuum or in my own echo chamber that is, that is dealing with this, then there, there's some trouble. And, and so we all are a community submitted to one another, and then th- that, that the purpose of this Sunday gathering, get charged up. But I, I hope that you would chew on this stuff and, and we would process this together. That's the whole point of groups. In groups, we start to, is that accurate or is, no, I don't know. And let's, what's some other commentary? And we start to think how we can live this out. So if it's unbiblical, we do not submit. If it's illegal, we do not submit. And in church history, there's a lot of repentance that needs to happen. And in our context, when we think of, okay, let's go, because now we're about to go there. He's talking about slave. Hey, no longer as a slave, but as a brother. Well, in our context, this country was built on the back of slavery. And then some of us, we say, oh, we could justify, well, Africans were selling those slaves. It was a business deal. Look, 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 wait, wait. Before we jump to that heart, what if it was you? What if it was your ancestors? Specifically white people in the room. Like, I know it's so easy to be like, let's just move on. No, no. Are you sure? Because <laughs> where there's injustices, it's not just move on and gospel of grace. Yet gospel of grace is also justice. Justice means admitting something wrong and then doing something about it. And of course, there's forgiveness, but how we deal with racial reconciliation, how we deal with class reconciliation, how we deal with gender reconciliation, these things got to be addressed, atoned for, talked about, dealt with, and action, both and. And and, and let me get here for a second, okay? Just keep leaning in. We're going someplace that's healthy. But we're never going to do this. This is what's so cool about Paul out of commanding or demanding, but we're going to appeal on the basis of love. And it starts here in the church. So the fact that church history is guilty of not setting people free, but oppressing people and have even been a part of murdering people, is just not Jesus. The whole story of the Bible is that God's people were in Egypt under slavery and then God got them out and set them free. So the church should be the people that wants to set everybody free. Everybody free. In any place or person that's not about that, you ain't about that life. You can talk it. Now, we have a lot of ideas of what that should look like. Hey, here's what I want you to do, Pastor. Here's how I want you to talk about. Look, I believe the best moments will never be seen because they're done behind the scenes and trenches for the one that we don't need to go out of our way to always say, look at us, look at us. But by the way, we're always trying to close the gap. That's it for class, for gender, for race. And some of the systems we're in are just unfair. Look at the starting lines. They're just unfair. They're wrong. And we would want as a church to let them fall, let them fall, let them fall, let them fall, let them fall. It's okay, let them fall. <laughs> look at, look at, uh, let's go all the way. Let's just go there for a minute. Because Paul, he goes on, he, he's saying how he's an old man. That goes back to Jewish culture. People would stand And I want to do that in just a moment. But let's go all the way to Exodus 21. Look at verse 16. 
unbiblical, right? Whoever kidnaps a person must be put to death. Whether he sells him or the person is found in his possession. Selling people? Nah. There's no transactions when it comes to people. This is in God's word. God's been against it from the jump. Now, the reason Philemon's being petitioned by Paul on Onesimus. Onesimus ran away. We don't know specifically why, but um, most believe that he has wronged Philemon, his slave master, and here he is, a runaway slave. But you know where he could go to find a safe place? The temple. So he would not be charged for a crime because he got close to God's people. And if you notice, Paul is saying, now he's my son. He's saying, hey, Philemon, I want you to think past business, think past laws, think past everything. Reconcile as a brother. And I could command you, because I know you respect me. But I'm not going to, because I'm going to peel out of love. I sat with um, a leader once. He's in his 60s, really sharp. And he goes, are you motivating people from love? I go, I hope so. And he goes, because fear is the lowest form of motivation. You do that for a dog. When we motivate with people, we should do it on the basis of love. Think of the mo- most of the things we're in. It's motivated by fear, isn't it? If I don't do this, I, this happens to me. Stay in line. Listen to me. It's leadership gone wrong, friends. It's leadership gone wrong. Look at Amos, Amos chapter 5, verse 24. And this is taking place in our city right now. Um, and even in our church circles. But when you look at downtown development, there's a, you might know this term, but gentrification. And it's the process where uh, the character of a poor urban area is unchanged by wealthier people moving in, improving housing, attracting new businesses, typically displacing the current inhabitants in the process. And you just look at downtown has been developed. And, uh, uh, and I'm not here to claim that, it, that, that I'm against it, I'm just standing up to say, as people, I hope we're for connection. Because a lot of times we're always thinking business deal. I'm going to acquire something and then I'm going to rent, sell, do this for one person. But then we don't think of who's dispersed because in the people of God, we should always be about connection. That means rich, poor, old, young, white, black, all of us, right? About connection. And if it's about connection, it changes all of our decisions. That's why this chapter is so challenging. We have to all lay down our staffs, our jobs, our authority, our, and think, oh my goodness, am I contributing to this nonsense? Am I letting people become a brother? Am I giving access? Or is the bottom line just the bottom line when it comes to numbers? Or is the bottom line reconciliation when it comes to brothers and sisters? And giving more opportunity and equality and representation. And you would want even equity. Why? Look at Amos 5, 24. It says this in the message. I can't stand your religious meetings. I think this is going to happen to any of us. I'm fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I don't care about your love the city truck, y'all. I don't care how many bags you give out. I don't care what you guys think you do. At the end of the day, look, is it really about Justice, is it really about people? I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? 
Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. That's all I want. It's always been God's heart. You want to know a tough concept? Look up Jubilee. Jubilee is, it means literally ram's horn. And there would be a sabbatical year, which was seven cycles of seven years. So math, seven times seven. Anybody? Come on. What is it? There you go. What would you say at first? You said 14? Seven times two. All right. You won that one. Well, it's okay. We're not identified by that. We're identified by Christ. He, you know, he thinks he's sweet. He's like, I crushed my brother. You know what I mean? And he's like, hey, glory to glory, baby. But 49, seven times seven is... It's 49. Well, here's what happened in the year of Jubilee. It involved a release of indebtedness and all types of bondage. Does it really say that? Does that really mean that? That's what we always do when we're like, if we have more power, we have more control, we're going we're gonna to really hate this moment. Look at this. It says, all prisoners and captives were set free. All slaves were released. All debts were forgiven. And all the property was returned to its original owners. In addition, all labor was ceased for one year. And those bound by labor contracts were released from them. This is out of God questions. One of the benefits of the Jubilee was that both the land and the people were able to rest. Why did they have to reset? Because once you get ahead, it's hard to catch up for all those behind. And maybe you don't know the struggle. Coming from a trailer park, I, like it takes a minute to catch back up. And yes, yeah, yeah, we all have opportunity. Okay, I get, I, yeah, but at some level, we got to reset a little bit. And in the church, like this is just who I'm pleading with. I don't expect the world to act one way. But in the church, I pray that we would submit our money. I pray we would submit our power. I pray we would submit everything for the glory of God of how we could do it together and really unite. Not on our watch. Not on our watch, y'all. Like, not on our watch is Lansing, the ninth most violent city with the FBI per capita last month's data in the nation. Not on our watch, y'all. Why? We don't want to live in those places. We just want to look at those people and say, oh, man, I hope somebody else. Like, dude, not, not anymore, okay? Can we just go not anymore, Jubilee? Can we be people of Jubilee? And you can be the exemption. You can live in the suburbs. You can live in rural. But my God, I pray that we care about those that are forgotten, at least in the space we're in. I was looking backstage and I was listening to Brad Leach, City Life Philly, and um, they were talking about a lot of their money is going uh, for their year-end giving is going to Afghanistan because people are trying to just leave the land, right? Like leave the land and they don't have passports, they don't have money and they're, they're leaving that. And it's like, oh, the church, may we be first to go, first to give, first to love. Change the game. So if something shows up and somebody's struggling, we can't be so quick to defend she want to be like, listen, let me understand. All right. God wants to motivate by love. He doesn't want us to feel all the weight of every issue in the world right now. But he does want our hearts to be soft that we don't play church, but we are the church. And we provide a safe space for Onesimus. And then we go out of our way, because you know what Paul says to Philemon? He says, hey, if he owes you anything, you charge it to me. I'm going to put my authority out there. I'm going to put skin in the game. 
to remind you of the Good Samaritan as well. Hey, if I charge it to me, I'll be back. We got to be willing to stick up for those that don't have a voice in our world. Maybe don't have the same. Hey, maybe they're sitting in a welfare line and we just look and maybe the person on the corner. Now I get checked at this. We were going to a little pastor's thing the other day and, um, you know, it was cool. They were honoring pastors, like, don't, don't give up. And the Lord's got a sense of humor because I, I need a gas. My gas light, I try to never let my gas light get on. And Crystal laughed because she goes, that means, uh, she goes, oh, it's been that type of week, huh? Because <laughs> if the gas light on, that means, dude, like, pray for Jerome. Send him away. Like, he needs a week somewhere. So my gas light was on. And I've got to get to this event. I don't want to be late. And I pull up, and then I put the card in. You know, some card readers don't work, and they're like, see, cashier. I don't want to see the cashier. I'm trying to do that. This thing should work, you know? Even though I did grow up where, you know, you'd have change, and you go in, and you pay, and you prepay. And, but, yeah, I've become so, you know, just such a consumer. I'm like, this thing should work now. And then a dude walks up to me, and he's like, hey, homeless guy with a sign. And he's like, hey, I just peed myself, and because they wouldn't let me use the restroom, and can you get me a burger at Burger King? I'm like, come on, dude. You know, like, come on. Are you sure? You want a burger? And I was like, huh. I looked down. Sure enough, he was all wet. And uh, he goes, yeah, burger. I was like, oh, I'll be right back. And he, it was so cool because he was so respecting. He goes, hey, I, I, I won't ride with you because, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to, you know, be in your car like this. He goes, but I want a Whopper, no cheese, no pickle, onion, onion ring, Coke, no ice. I was like, word, you know? And I'm not saying we changed the world. In fact, I think he changed me. We went and got the Whopper and gave it to him. And was just like, bro, hey, like, see you, and you have a name, and we just got to hang out. Because may it never be about, and that's why I love God, he'll interrupt us. It's not about me going to that thing and what up, pastors. God cared about that guy. I knew we couldn't do everything, but we could do something for someone and still honor the commitment. We're like, yo, here's a cheeseburger. And I thank God that we could do that moment, but that is going to be, there's always a tension of how do we serve people in the platforms we have. And hopefully we're moving the ball further down the road to love people that they're not forgotten about. And as we think of, okay, how do I, how do I love God and love people really well. Well, it starts here. And I hope that we're carving out time to be a disciple. Out of love. I appeal to you out of love. As a church leader, we could command and demand. I believe God bestows that authority. But one thing I've noticed, we make our growth with Jesus such, we only kind of invest in it when we're in a crisis. And then we're in a crisis, and I'm not meaning this as offense. Somebody might, you might be this person in the room. And I've made the same mistake. Hey, I need to meet with you. Stuff's hitting the fan, but I can only meet with you after work. We have such a low view of even church leadership because we would meet with our doctor. We would take time off work. But I see this all the time happen. No, after hours, or I can only come X. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Let's get healthy view and healthy rhythms. And and there is times when we need to be just completely out of the game if someone is spiritually gone wrong. 
leadership gone wrong. Like, get away, right? Get away, and that is completely sound. But what I'm also seeing, though, is sheep that hate to submit. <laughs> what Paul, his whole letter is, he's like, yo, I could have told you, you better take Onesimus back not as a slave anymore. You better take him back as an equal and as a brother. But instead, I'm carving all this because I'm, he's so compelling to say, I want to appeal to you out of the basis of love. Knowing that in the background, he should understand Jubilee. Knowing that in our background, we should understand Jubilee. You know? Like, understand it. Get it. We're going to end with Jesus, and we're going to end with the story of a cop. A story of a cop I was riding a bike next to. I didn't know he was a cop. And disclosure, my view of police many times uh, is one of I'm instantly, um, I'm on my heels. I'm afraid. And that's not a knock on the police force. It's just my experience and me and my world. And, um, and here I am riding a bike, and I start, he says, hey, what are you doing? I go, oh, we do, you know, we're in the inner city, Lansing, da, da, da. And he goes, he goes, the inner cities of Detroit changed me. Go, what do you mean? He goes, I realized I came there, and I thought I was going to bust everybody for crime. And then I saw the conditions that so many people were in, and I thought, oh, my goodness, what, where would I be? What would I act like? And he, and he said this after... 40 years of being in the police force, he goes, I just realized never take anybody's dignity. And I taught every policeman the same. You don't ever look at anyone, down on anyone, no matter what crime they committed, no matter what, because you don't know what it was like to be them. So you give them dignity and you love them. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's next level. That's next level. To still be someone who's trying to enforce a punishment, but yet his heart is saying, man, I didn't get it, and they were teaching me more. I, I think that's a picture of what the church should be like a little bit more, like the Jubilee mindset. As we get close, we realize it changes us. And the problem is, it's, it's the Mother Teresa quote. The problem is not, it's not that we don't care about the poor. We just don't know the poor. Something so beautiful when you get close to broken situations, and you'll want to do this reconciliation, like Paul's petitioning to Philemon. Take him back as a brother. Because in the gospel, it transcends your title. It transcends your system you're in. I don't care what the Romans said you can do. Because you have a kingdom that is higher than America to represent. You represent the authority of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, though he could command and demand your attention, let me just say it this way. When Jesus shows up, he could punk you out so bad. Every single one of us are guilty, like straight up. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back next time as a lion. He came last time as the lamb. And when the lion comes back, who here wants to wrestle with the lion? Anybody? You want to wrestle with the lion? Okay, you sure? Think of that? How big is a lion? I guess I didn't define how big the lion is. Like a grown lion, just so. Because it could kill you. Jesus, though he could command and demand, he appealed to us on the basis of love. 
with free will. That's what Paul's saying to Philemon. It's up, it's up to you. You know what? You could actually probably get, get him in trouble, but I hope that you wouldn't want to own people anymore, maybe. <laughs> I hope that you would want to hire those that maybe didn't have the same opportunity. Let's be people that close the gap. Let's think of Jesus. He gave up every right and went low for me and you. That is so beautiful. I don't know where you're at today, if you're commanding and demanding, or if you're appealing on the basis of love. But I pray that this today kind of rewired us to help us realize, man, I want to appeal to people on love. I don't want to shame people in. I want to love. I want to use my authority Help be a king's kid. Bring real freedom and opportunity in every sphere I'm in. That means if someone's forgotten in my job, I'm going to stick up for them. If they're treated wrong and injustice happens, man, may we step into place. Paul's like, charge it to me. Charge it to me, I'll pay it. Charge it to me. What? Yeah. Wrong is wrong, friends. Wrong is wrong. Step up to the pump. Amen? Let's pray. God, I don't think this is like a bow moment. This isn't the one that's like, yep, wrap it with the bow. No, this is just to really let it, let it open up our hearts. Where are we at with authority? Where are we at with submitting? Where are we at with reconciliation? Where are we at with justice? Are we going through the motions? Where are we at with looking at people, loving people, stopping, listening? God, I pray that none of us feel forced, but actually recognize how much you loved us that we could love. How much you loved us that we could appeal to our, our spouses on love. We could not command or demand in domineering and use you know, men in the room to use our provocative uh, kind of overtones and, and not be people that domineer and to be people that give up to gain everything, to see people restored as a brother, as a sister, equal in worth, yes, different in authority, but different in roles. But all of us, we have authority in our spheres to some degree. May we use our voices. May we use our action. May we use our lives that we would really be one to connect, not push people out, but connect and pull people in. Think of how do we get them closer. This will be the hardest work that we've ever done to be one. But it's a lifelong work that we're willing to do because it was important to you. So God, we pray just like you did, Jesus, that we would be one as you and the Father are one. And when one of us hurt, we all hurt. When one of us celebrate, we all celebrate. And may we get close and be intentional in that and learn and listen and say, hey, where do you live? I'm actually close to you. Let's carve out some time. What are you reading? Let's read that together. What are you going through? And do that together. We unite in the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen.
Hey, friend, if you don't know Jesus, it's simple. Just say, Jesus, take my life, make me brand new. We'll be here next week, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Uh, we'll be diving back into that passage. And we didn't get far into it. We got to authority and called out that God is so not for people as possessions and he wants to make people equal and slavery is nonsense and it shouldn't happen on our watch and may we be people that fight and stand up. Um, and then we're gonna dive into that Wednesday, 6 p.m., right here in the multi-purpose room. And the next Sunday, 10 a.m. and 11.30, we'll be back, Philemon, continuing. You know, this is Thanksgiving week, which is also not the funnest week uh, for some if they think through his history. So you might have our tradition, but as Christians, let's, let's have a high level of empathy and compassion and, and start to even lean into history and origin. All that stuff matters. It's, it's compounded over and over and over again. So um, I just... Get, get you thinking in that, in that wheelhouse. Um, um, yeah, and so go in the strength of the Lord. We hope to see you next week, 10 a.m. and 11.30. All races, all faces, all ages, you belong here. We're gonna keep... We're gonna keep loving the city one life at a time and we won't stop until he makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives, y'all. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing Podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. Get connected, learn more, and invest financially. Go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.